All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Room 303. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez, and this is my co-host. It's back, baby. Sports are coming back. Everything's coming back. It's we're, and his we're name about is to be Morhan. We're about to be out of the dark zone. We're about to be going back to normalcy. We've beaten Corona. It's not a threat anymore. Screw vaccines and all that. We've won. <laughs> I would say it was never a threat. Undefeated. Never. Undefeated. Viral undefeated. <laughs> oh, and just like that, ladies and gentlemen, the return sports. US, hey, everybody. Korean baseball, Bundesliga, the match two. I mean, it's just a great time to finally be alive. So we do have to warn the people, Jermaine, that you are kind of doing a a hillbilly live stream here. You are watching UFC 249 while podcasting. So if you guys hear any any shouts or any rage uh, rage quits in the background, that's because Jermaine uh, Jermaine made predictions on this fight, and he may not like some of them. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that soon. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely on in the background. So clearly, we're recording uh, Saturday, the 9th of May. Uh, currently two and one on my picks. The one that I lost, uh, it was a clinic. He, he got destroyed. So <laughs> like we said, uh, our motto on this podcast is fade us and you'll make the money. podcast. That's right. Well, Jermaine, you talked about Korean baseball. I'm so happy baseball is back. They signed a, I don't know what the tenure was, but they signed a deal with ESPN to bring us Korean baseball. I believe it's the Nippon League. I may that I may people people may hem me up for that, but I think it's the NIPPON League. That might not be right. Um but it's it's a league that uh has a lot of good history. It has it's it's kind of a league where uh, a lot of MLB players go to resurrect their careers, I guess. Maybe not as much as the Japanese league, but um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of flair, so to say, uh, in this league that that would not be, uh, would not be tolerated in the major leagues in the form of bat flips. Oh man. They, they bat flip for everything. They draw a four, bat flip four ball Eagle. walk. Four, what was that? Four ball walk, bat flip. Four ball walk, bat flip. <laughs> yeah. Four balls. Boom. Bat flip. You I'm know, down with it. I'm with it. I'm uh I'm Hispanic, so you know I love me a good bat flip. Oh, you f- you friggin' you Puerto Ricans and your disrespect for baseball. Oh my God, sound like a what's it, Ian Kinsler for the Team USA and the World Baseball Classic? You need to tuck in your shirts. You can wear your pants. You can wear your pants either down to your cleats or with stirrups. Uh, and you have to be white to play the game of baseball. <laughs> that is the that is the baseball writer's opinion. And Jermaine, you actually asked me. Speaking of the baseball writer's opinion, you asked me a question this week over text message because Jermaine and I, believe it or not, are actually friends outside of this uh, work. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! That's a okay. bit generous. Yeah, you asked me a question, and I said, I said, hold it. I said, hold it towards this weekend's this weekend's episode of the podcast. And that question was. Oh, uh, so I, just to frame it and give it a little setup, I was talking to uh, my friend and he told me that James Harden was the greatest Sun Devil. And I was just like, 
I'll allow it. I mean, James Harden, MVP, he's clearly a statistical stud. But so I asked him, I was like, who who else is a Sun Devil sports-wise, right? And that's how Barry Bonds came up. And I was he Barry Bonds was the first name he said, and then he mentioned like Phil Mickelson and some other Jamokes. And I was just like, I was just like, uh, no, Barry Bonds, Barry period Bonds, and then stop signs. Like that's it. That's the end of the conversation, in my opinion. He's the greatest Sun Devil. But then I he was just like, I, he's he's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. I, right, I, exactly. I mean, and, and, and I don't need to talk about the records. I don't need to talk about the single season home run record. I don't need to talk about the career home runs record. I don't need to talk about the fact that he was a 40-40 player before he even was alleged starting taking steroids, right? A two-time 40-40 player. There's only been four in the history of MLB baseball, and he was a two-time 40-40 player. He was like a 10-time All-Star, a three-time Gold Glove, a two-time MVP before he even got alleged to start taking steroids. The only thing that yeah. I have to say on Barry Bonds is he got walked in the World Series <laughs> with the, bases, with the loaded. bases loaded. An intentional walk because the Angels did not want to pitch to him. And you're telling me he's not one of the greatest play- baseball players of all time. Yeah, so that, that was where the question was. I asked, is Barry Bonds a top 10 baseball player all time? Yes. And I said, without question. Yes. Right? He's definitely top 10. Yeah. Yeah, no, no chance. I, and I think, I think, keep in mind, I think in that, I'll have to look it up and get you guys the answer next week, but I think that Jeff Kent was on deck. Now, <laughs> Jeff Kent has held a home run title and a batting title in the National League. So you're intentionally walking Barry Bonds to get to a guy who is a very good hitter. <laughs> like it's not like you're walking him to get to like I don't know Jared Saltonamakia. Oh, uh, Chris Davis from the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. <laughs> Chris Davis. Chris Davis gets paid. Chris Davis is the easiest job in sports. He gets paid twenty six million a year, maybe, maybe even more. Twenty six million plus. I'm I'm gonna cover my bases for like the next two years to strike out of baseball. He is living the every man's dream. He gets to walk up to the plate and go, thanks for having me. Go 0 for 56. He went 0 for 56 last year, Jermaine. Zach Grinke, a pitcher who's well, – he pitches for the Diamondbacks now? Astros? Now the Astros, man. The Astros. Oh, that's right. The Astros had the greatest pitching staff ever composed. Um, and Zach Grinke went 0 for 50. In the same span, Zach Grinke got a hit before Chris Davis did. Zach Grinke was 0 for 53 when he got his first hit. And Chris Davis used to be a good hitter. Not like a 300. That's why he got paid. Like he he would hit like 50 home runs a year. Man. But anyway, I digress. Barry Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Alex Rodriguez should be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. Mark Guire should be in the Hall of Fame. Sammy Sosa should be in the Hall of Fame. Everybody in that, in the late 90s that took steroids. Baseball needs to get off their high horse. These people saved your game. They saved the game of baseball from the, the 1994 strike. The 1998 season of baseball is the greatest season of baseball ever. And it resurrected yeah. the sport. I don't care if they did whatever you said they did. Stop being as difficult as you are and stubborn and treat it as a Hall of Fame. They still went out there and performed and did those statistics. 
Oh yeah. And for sure. Damn impressive statistics on top of that. So what do you think about uh Bundesliga being the first one back? Well, so you're 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 hurting me right now. You're like you're like saying uh you're like mispronouncing Bundesliga. So oh, it, get it's out of here. it's hurt, it's hurting my Aryan heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good, man. Um so for for people who don't know who aren't Jermaine and other my friends who I've had soccer conversations with, I'm a giant FC Bayern fan. Um it was in in my lifetime growing up, right? Well, in, in my lifetime, I guess, it has been a well, let's let's say in the last 10 years, right? So so since 2010 and probably early mid mid 2000s, let's say that. It has been a guarantee that FC Bayern is winning the Bundesliga and we're going to get eliminated in some quarterfinal and semifinal of the Champions League. It's just going to happen. Last year, Dortmund, who is Borussia Dortmund, who is Bayern's chief rival, managed to blow it. I mean, they had a lead and they managed to drop crazy games in the second half of the schedule and allowed Bayern to come back and by the skin of their teeth win it. This is not the same Bayern team. They're, they're kind of figuring out their identity. They're attempting to sign the entire French national team that won the World Cup. Um, Pretty poor. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm, exci- I'm excited for, for European soccer to come back. What I'm really excited about is the Champions League return in August, right? The 7th, right? Yeah, so the you know it's all rumor and conjecture until it happens, but the seventh is slated for the second leg of Lyon versus Juventus. So that was pretty exciting. Juventus to blow out. Didn't Juventus blow out the first leg? I don't recall. I I feel like Juventus might have won narrowly, maybe one or one zero two zero. Let me see. I'm giving but, it, I'm giving it a look up. Ooh, a little googly box action. A little a little googly box. A little semen Google action here. Yeah, and then so uh, Major League Baseball is supposed to have their proposal drawn up and sent out uh, by early next week. I believe it's going to be on the Tuesday, which would be the twelfth. So that was pretty so going pretty interesting to see. Going back to it, Leon won the first match 1-0. Yeah, that's what I thought. They won, I, they I won the first match in Leon. Low wow. scoring game. Yeah. Oh, but right. that was at at home for Leon, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so, so that's I'm, probably gonna win five nothing. <laughs> yeah. Five one on aggregate. Yeah. It'll be it'll be bad. We had the MO so the, so we should get the MLB next this this later this week. We should get the the Major League Baseball schedule or plan. By the way they've been going recently, I'm not too excited that they are going to screw it up somehow. Uh, and they're going to give absolutely – I think Rob Manfred has – who's the commissioner of Major League Baseball, for those of you who don't know. He is – he has this group of – uh, he, he has the players, he has the fans, he has the owners, and he gets all stuff from them, and he goes, okay, and he goes back into his room, and then he has a giant fish tank of of sea mermaids or whatever, and he just listens to the whatever mystical talk they say, whatever they say is a good idea, because he's been messing up some decisions lately. So we'll see. 
we'll see what, what what Major League Baseball what amazing plan they come up with. So, yeah, hopefully they don't uh, uh, nuke this uh, this restart. But I could see Major League Baseball doing something wildly uh, foolish just because of. You know, I mean, the handling of this of the suspensions and the penalties for the Astros and the Red Sox are it's pretty uh it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> did you I'll, watch? I'll, did I'll, you? I'll say yeah. this because we didn't have a, a podcast then, and then you can ask your question. The reason that the Red Sox and the Astros, if y'all are wondering why they had such small fines, is I believe. That the major that Major League Baseball did an investigation into all thirty teams in Major League Baseball, and they found that this sign stealing that the Astros were doing, in some form or another, this sign stealing is done by all thirty teams in Major League Baseball. And I guarantee you, a memo was sent to the owners and GMs of Major League Baseball from the commissioner Rob Manfred, and it said, "Knock it off, right? Don't let me catch you doing this because why else would they would they?" Would they level such light fines on the Astros? I mean, that's 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 stuff that like, I mean, that's that that if if you know what pitch is coming in baseball, that's that's all baseball is. That's the pitcher's advantage is the batter not knowing what he's throwing. But if you know what he's throwing, well, then you can. It doesn't matter if it's ninety nine or if it's ninety four. If it's a fastball, you know it's a fastball. Where we yeah, it's it's definitely the uh, strategic advantage in baseball is is the pitcher being able to you know <laughs> choose what he wants to throw next. Yeah. So I was I was just gonna ask if you watched any of the uh, I don't know if it was a press conference. I, it's not really what I'd call it, but it was a sit down interview with Ernie Johnson. Shout out EJ uh, mm. for for the match too. As in oh. the Brady Mickelson pairing versus Manning Woods. Oh yeah, I did actually. I did see that. I saw the uh, I saw the clip of Phil Mickelson showing off uh, his Masters jacket the Tiger gave him, and then showing off the trophy that he won from the match one, and then Tiger going, "Boy, it's chilly in here," and then getting all of his Masters jackets and laying them on top of himself. Yeah, Tiger Woods uh, with the ultimate response card to him, and then uh, Manning and Brady were uh, sharing a story of the last match they played together because they usually play doubles and they're on the same team, and they got smoked by a 77-year-old and an 84-year-old guy. They said that the, there yeah. was no chance. There was no chance for them to win uh, after the 15th hole. Like they got closed out in 15. Jeez. Which is, you kind of have to do pretty bad to be, or they were just that good. (laughs) I just think that this one's going to be a lot more entertaining because Brady and Manning's uh, trash talk familiarity, and they have more vibrant personalities than Woods and Mickelson. So So there should be be a lot more. Yeah, how how are they splitting it up? Are they splitting it up? Uh, What are they doing? Are they doing all four, like, or are they doing doubles? Are they doing t- Tiger and Peyton and Phil and Brady? Or what are they doing? Do you know? No. So this is this is for ratings. They want people to tune in. So it's going to be well, all four. Just at everybody. The okay. all yeah, right. it's 
It's <laughs> just saying you're saying it like it's eight million people though. It's just four dudes. Yeah. What what day is it? What day is this? In May twenty fourth. Ooh, May twenty fourth. Yeah, May twenty fourth. Yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, I f- I feel like they bring a lot of. I I, I really want you. You've seen the clips of like Brady shotgunning beers, right? No, I've not. And like, oh well. There's go go look it up. But there's and also Peyton Manning does like the SNL stuff, and he's like a pretty funny guy. I really want to imagine that they have a good time on the golf course. Like I, I, oh, you're, I talking, about, you're talking about how we play golf. Oh, how we drink beer, yeah, and then occasionally hit a hit a ball. Yeah, that's 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 what I want to have happen. Yeah, uh, I, seriously, I need Tom Brady to go full South Florida. I need cornrows, gold grills. Oh, black eye under. I need him to just go James Franco from Spring James Break Franco on Spring the Breakers, world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spring Break. Uh, what's happening in the fights? Uh, right now, Watterson's going uh, toe-to-toe with Esparza. And I'm not too sh- sure who's winning the fight currently, but uh, Watterson seems to control the octagon, octagon more. She seems to be the aggressor. So uh, I've been a little distracted, you know, since we're because we're recording. The, you had <laughs> you had a little you had, podcast. You, you had some picks for this, right? In this in this hillbilly live stream. Now I, I will put it out to the people out there. Jermaine is a trustworthy man. Uh, you can trust him with your life, and he's a great babysitter. Um. You, so when you made these picks, you did not make these picks at the beginning of the show when the fight was going on. You sent me a text message earlier today at around three something, and you gave me this Pulitzer Prize winning novel on what was going to happen at the UFC tonight. So take the people through what you pr- correctly predicted would happen at the UFC 145. Excuse me. Yeah. So as previously mentioned, I'm uh, two and one on picks so far so three fights have happened we're in the we're in the middle of the fourth round right now uh, so so far ryan span has uh he went the distance with sam alvey and won by unanimous decision uh bryce mitchell and charles rosa as promised went into an absolute grappling match it was some of the best jujitsu i've seen uh put on another opponent. Uh, Bryce Mitchell completely dominated the fight for all three rounds, 15 minutes of top control. He almost hit the twister submission again, almost back-to-back fights where he finished it with a twister submission, which is just outlandish. It's he, he body wraps your legs, puts your arm behind his head and then cranks on your and cranks on your neck. And it's, and it's just uh, it's a nasty looking thing. And then so Nico Price, Brian, Brian, Brian Mitchell is thirteen and zero now, right? He is correct, thirteen and zero. Uh, that dude's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. That this this fight because there's probably a lot of eyeballs on it with the lack of sports, and this is the ma- first like real major live event to to go down that everyone was plugged into. So his stock went way up. So he's got a real bright star for UFC. And then Nico Price and uh, Vicente Luque 
went into an absolute war, which was expected. They have this is was a rematch, and uh, Vicente Luque was a plus two thirty underdog. So if you put some cheddar on him, you walked away Eat some with a big payday. Yeah, so uh, the only fight I haven't predicted correct yet is uh, Bryce Mitchell. I just didn't see him handling uh, um, Rosa that bad. But right now I have Watterson. I picked Watterson. She's a dog also, plus 135. But I I just think she's hit, hitting some prime right now. She did lose her last fight in decision, so she probably wants to get back to the title picture. But as far as there's no pushover, she's the inaugural, inaugural <laughs> Uh, Stolt. <laughs> Almost got banned there. Almost got banned. <laughs> oh yeah, from all podcasting platforms, right there. Ooh, <laughs> that was a that was a real bad uh, tongue twist right there. <laughs> yeah, but we've got some great fights coming up uh, later. So we've got um, three heavyweight bouts coming. I'm a big fan of heavyweights because they always uh, deliver finishes, and they don't go very long. It's Usually round one knockouts, but we've got Verdum and Olenek. Uh, Verdum's the heavy favorite in this one, and I expect him to win pretty handily on that one. Then we have Pettis and Cerrone. I refuse to pick this bout. 2013 rematch. Love both fighters. I've actually uh, gone on record saying I want a double knockout. Two, two years too late. This fight is two years too late. <laughs> well, it happened in 2013, so this is the second fight. Yeah, so two years too late. A rematch should have happened earlier than 2020. Oh, well, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, then you have Greg Hardy, uh, former Carolina Panther. Greg yeah. Hardy. Greg he's Hardy. Here's a, here's a little card. story about Greg Hardy. Here, here's, here's, a, here's a story. I, I want to say good for Greg Hardy, but Greg Hardy is a dirty motherfucker. So Greg Hardy was released from the Carolina Panthers. He played Carolina Panthers. He was a defensive end for the Carolina Panthers. He was actually an all-pro, I believe, in 2015. He was an all-pro with the Carolina Panthers. He was one of 10 all-pros on the Carolina Panthers when we made our Super Bowl run. Greg Hardy was fined, cut, and released for fined and cut in that that offseason, I believe 2016 or in the middle of the season, something. Because not only did he beat his wife or girlfriend at the time, whatever she was, threw her through a glass table and then grabbed her. This is Keep in mind, this is like a 6'5", 235-pound defensive end, all pro in the National Football League, then threw her onto their bed, threw her, right? But she didn't just land on a nice, comfy, tempur mattress. No, she landed on a pile of AKs. Let me say that again. Not one AK. Not two AKs, a pile of AKs described by the arresting officer when he arrived at the scene that Greg Hardy had a pile of AKs on his bed. Now, I can see using needing one AK. Hell, I can even see needing two AKs. But I've never seen, unless you're a Chechen army, that you need a pile of AKs. I get that he's gangster. A pile. A pile. A pile. It's such a wild story when you actually go in and read the details, and uh, he's a pretty insufferable person. Yeah, and usually I like to find the good side of people and root for them and be, you know, think that they could be better. But uh, I've lost all respect for him as a person. Uh, I don't think he deserves a second chance on this stage. Um, 
Unfortunately for us, us being the world, he's a supremely talented individual. <laughs> and, and he's strong he's, as an ox. So. And, he's, and he's pretty similar to Lane Kiffin where they just keep falling up. It's like unbelievable. And uh, I thought you were going to hit us with a little LeBron. Not one, not two, not three. And then he only delivers two. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. Oh, also, we, we forgot to tell you, this is a LeBron free zone on the podcast. So we will be avoiding uh, talking about LeBron James, Lebanon Dames, as much as we can on this podcast. We will not mention his name as little as we can. He's like Voldemort. That's, that's not true. This podcast loves LeBron. We don't like his fans. They're pretty insufferable. But LeBron James is a king hooper. We're going to talk about him quite a bit. And uh, if the NBA doesn't start this season, I think LeBron should sue him because he was going to win a chip this year. And uh, <laughs> I have it. It's, my, it's in one of my bets. As soon as Kobe died, you know what I did? Shout out RIP Kobe. I went in and I bet Lakers championship right then. I got it like plus 275. Yeah, and he was going to deliver it. And all Lakers fans, this is what was really blowing me. LeBron fans and Lakers fans were like, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. And then they played two teams back-to-back, right? They played Clippers and then Bucks, and beat them both. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we going to the chip. We going to the chip. Hit a little punch dance the night away. And I was like, you guys are the worst. I was just like, where was this faith in the beginning of the season? That's they all right. kept getting upset because they weren't signing free agents. The Clippers kept adding to their team. Just like you got LeBron and AD. You're perfectly fine. Relax. The Black Mamba thinks you have enough. You have enough. You're good, man. And you're inspired by Kobe's tragic passing. That's the thing. that I, I just love storylines like that. Hang Kobe's jersey up in the locker room. Say this one's for him and go win a chip. Dude, the Yankees won the World Series post 9-11. Yeah. It's it just yep. – it's there's some sort of synergy to this kind of stuff. And it just it's just that extra motivation that we're not going to lose this game because it's much bigger than just a game at that point. That's right. So – but we'll let's move on to the two main events uh, of yeah. this UFC card because that's the real meat and potatoes of the UFC. We got Henry Cejudo, the champion, or the double champ, even though he got stripped, uh, defending his belt against possibly uh, the GOAT of the bantamweight division. The only reason I say possibly is because I have to see what happens tonight. So I don't want to go on the record because maybe Cejudo ends up being the GOAT after this. But he's won that belt twice. He's 22-2, and two, but he's had a three-and-a-half-year layoff. So he's seeking his third reign. I'm wondering if he's going to pull a GSP and come back and win the title at super old with a three-and-a-half-year three layoff. Just get the body right. Yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, but essentially, UFC is going to win-win no matter what happens here because they're going to cement one of their icons. Um, Cejudo is one of the rare performers who's actually defended a title successfully in two different weight classes. So he's done it at lightweight and heavyweight. But then uh, the fight that is it's, – it's pretty staggering that this fight is for an interim title. So it's it for the interim lightweight title. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, 
this fight is so good that it's shocking. It's for an interim. Like Ferguson versus Gaethje is gonna be an absolute slugfest. Shades so and Gaethje, blades, baby. Shades and blades. So Ferguson's twenty five and three, and Gaethje's twenty one and two. And this, so this fight will be the antith- antithesis of the last fight that main evented a UFC card uh, between Adesanya and Romero. There's going to be so much pushing and so much action in this fight. It's going to be. It's going to be 25 minutes of hellacious action. I don't know if it'll go all 25 minutes. I actually think there's going to be a stoppage. Um, But if not, it's going to be so much fun. And the best part about this fight, right? UFC was suspended or postponed, whatever, for COVID-19. But now they're coming back, and this is the first fight on their card. And what's awesome is it's going to – it's going to dictate kind of the rest of the calendar year of fights. It coming out of this, it's going to set up a lot of more high profile bouts that should go on to main event the next few numbered uh, pay per views for the UFC. So I'm I'm pretty exciting. The, the amount of talent on this card, the amount of absolute fighters, warriors on this card is pretty. It's pretty stacked. Um, the fight of the night uh, bonus is going to be hard earned today. And just like that, I went two and two with Carlos Spars uh, winning by split decision. Well, there you go. <sighs> Boo. Boo, Jermaine. Boo. Fade Jermaine. <laughs> Fade Jermaine. Yeah, dude. Pe- people, uh, people don't leave. People don't leave. I, I agree with you. People don't leave the ring with Tony Ferguson with, with, their, faith, with their faces in healthy condition. Just doesn't happen. No, you're um, changed man after fighting him. I want to. I want to highlight one that you skipped over. That's not a main card, but uh, what's what's the Francis Ngannou fight? What's that fight? Yeah, that's Ngannou versus uh, Jairzinho Rosenstreak. It's a heavyweight Dude. bout. It's the thir- it's the thir- it's the car the matchup just before Cejudo versus. Talk Cejudo. about talk about a couple of gorillas. Just I mean, just they're they're just gonna. They're just gonna smash. They're just gonna smash their fists against each other. Rosenchik is hasn't is ten and zero, right? Yeah, and and Ngannou has never seen a and Ngannou has never seen a judge's scorecard. You mentioned to me earlier. Correct. Yes, this uh, that that one first round finish. If you if you're betting, man, I'd bet uh, first round finish in that fight. Oh, I am. Well, I am. So that's good. Yeah, it's good. Well, uh, that so, should be that should be hellacious. So we talked to me. I mean, you just you just mentioned UFC's UFC's coming back or UFC is back right now. You're you're hillbilly live streaming it. We also had some this week. We also had some news about uh, not when other sports are coming back, but kind of a, a some significant news to. Uh, the prospects of these of these drafts. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, is the NHL draft, the NBA draft, and the MLB draft have all had some change to their fit, form, and function. Uh, I, I guess you can say. Um, would you agree with that, Jermaine? Yeah, it's uh, they've been heavily impacted and it's changed a lot of things. And uh, so these organizations are trying to do their best to navigate these unexpected waters. And so we've got some dates that were released as far as these drafts go. So NHL draft is going to be June 5th. Um, It's going to be held 
probably pretty similar to the NFL draft. And then the NLB draft had the most substantial changes made for this year's which, draft. Which then again, for the NHL draft, it's not really that big of an impact. So you got to understand, for those of you who don't know, again, the, NA, the NHL draft is mainly guys picking uh, prospects and and stuff like that. So you can have the ability, if they've played enough junior hockey, uh, which I think is a year of junior hockey, they're eligible for the ML, the uh, sorry, the NHL draft. So you have guys that are getting drafted that are still in college. They're allowed to play in college, but the team owns their rights. It's very you, know, you have your your Connor McDavid's and your Nathan McKinnon's uh, that come in at like you know eighteen, nineteen years old, but that's that's few and far between. But yeah, the so you you said you said the MLB draft. So the MLB draft is moving right now to twenty rounds to five. Uh, so basically, the if for those of you who don't know, the first rounds of the MLB draft, the first five rounds of the MLB draft are the only rounds that have signing bonuses, right? Um, so that's why they're keeping those first five rounds. Uh, after that, every prospect who still wants to uh, enter the MLB, they will be put into a uh, undrafted uh, signing pool, and then teams can negotiate with them uh, based on that. But the first five rounds of the draft will still go with the signing bonuses uh, as and, and negotiations as usual. And also the the final one that I mentioned, the NBA draft, Jermaine, is postponed. I'm sure that's got that's that's got you a little bummed. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of any draft to be honest, but especially the NBA, that's my go-to sport. It's my favorite sport. Basketball is, there's just so much beauty in the rhythm and poetry of watching people play and move on a court. So I'm pretty bummed about that. And and it's not just pushed back or something like that. It's postponed probably until November, maybe late October. And the NBA seems to be the only organization right now not fully committed to getting their season finished. Um, They seem to be allowing a lot of outside pressure to dictate when they return. Instead of realizing what they provide as a service to people who are in isolation right now, who do value sports and who do need some sort of... um, factor to look forward to the NBA just keeps wishwashing and changing their thought processes and their strategies on a reopen. And to be honest, you've already played 80% of the season. The fact that you aren't more aggressive and more forthcoming and trying to push to finish the season is kind of shocking. And this might, this is the first misstep of Adam Silver's, run as commissioner of the league so far and this is uncharted waters and i could wake up tomorrow to a notification that the league is starting in two weeks i just feel like he needs to be (laughs) as assertive as he was when he handled the clippers case as as assertive as he was with everything else that he's handled uh just right now he seems like he's not real sure of himself which is pretty uncharacteristic yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's 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 kind of to the point where you know i, I kind of see the same thing with the nhl the two leagues that have like you said 80 percent of their leagues done 
they have they are kind of you know not coming out with a plan they're like well we could well we might do a 2014 playoff well we might do a you know a bracket pool like this and we might do you know this plan or that plan and no one's really like hey we have 80 percent of the season done let's just come up with this plan so we can play the playoffs right nba playoffs and nhl playoffs honestly i'm not an nba fan like you are but i watch basketball playoffs I'm a bigger NHL fan, but still, there's just something about playoff hockey that can happen every year. And I, I, I completely agree with you that I think maybe the, the you know, if, if the governor is going to reopen states and, and the government thinks it's, it's good to reopen and, and they can come up with a plan that implants social distancing, I think, why, why not do it? You already have three-fourths of your season done. Just, just go into playoffs or finish that last one-fourth. Yeah, they really need to just focus on finishing the playoffs and maybe uh, incentivize the teams that didn't get a chance to finish the regular season because they've lost some funds through those arenas being closed. But they need they need to get it done. There needs to be a champion crown because there was too much energy and spent on this. And I just feel like uh, they really should be pushing harder, much similar to how Dana White handled the UFC. <laughs> Dana White did never want the UFC to leave. That's the funny thing. He was like, no, the UFC is staying. He was just stubborn. And then the first chance that he got, he implemented it back. And he's probably making, you know, he's he's making people happy. And he's probably making a good bit of money here, too. He's striking while the iron's hot. And I think it's a yeah. brilliant, brilliant move based on the perspective of the UFC. Because they are literally the only game in town right now. And here's the thing. People might disagree with it based on their thoughts and views on everything that's going on, and it's fine. It's, you know, everyone has their opinions, and that's the best part of life is that there's so much diversity in everything. But they're the only game in town, and they tested an individual who popped positive who was supposed to fight on today's card. So you could say that they're actually doing a bit of good because they put a test in this individual's hand. And we're able to to notify him like, hey, man, yeah, you, you tested positive. So now they can move forward to taking care of him and making sure he handles everything correctly. So I feel like that's a benefit that came out of it. Yeah, you can also use the argument, though, that they're this giant organization and that they can get their hands on tests when normal people can't. So it's pretty easy for them to get their hands on tests to play devil's advocate. Right. That's that's the good part. Jacques Ray Souza couldn't get a hand on a test normally. His affiliation with UFC was able to get him tested. He popped positive, and now they can move forward with the best way to handle the situation. Yeah, but there's what I'm saying is there's normal people who aren't affiliated with the UFC who don't have access to tests and who aren't getting tested. So I don't know if that's a good thing the UFC is doing. It's good, it's good that they're not exposing people to the coronavirus, but I wouldn't say it was. I said it's a neutral thing, not a positive thing. Okay. I'm I'm just uh I'm just saying he could have been walking around without it without it with it and not knowing and now because of the UFC he's able to understand that he has it he doesn't have to expose his family any further and he can self quarantine and isolate and go ahead and take care of it the best way possible for sure unless he's been walking around for you know 3 weeks po- with with <laughs> having corona and then he's probably infected <laughs> hundreds of people <laughs> Uh, let's, I, let's, I, let's, hope, let's hope not 
my my question would be um what do you what what, what are they going to do so if if the leagues don't start back up uh like what if the leagues don't start back up are they still releasing like Madden 21 are they still releasing all these other video games yeah, that's it's funny that you asked that question because Madden Twenty One actually just had uh, an announced trailer with uh, Xbox Series One X. So Xbox has been doing these monthly like updates for Series X, and they, they debut, um, you know, video game footage or they announce titles and stuff like that. And they just did one on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And the list of games they announced that are being working worked and being added to it. Um, it's it's actually a pretty impressive list, so I'll just go through it real quick. Uh, and this is this in is order of the video for, and the Xbox series, this is for Xbox Series X, right? Correct, Xbox Series X. But it's a uh, Bright Memory, Infinite, Dirt Five, Scorn, Chorus, Madden kind of, NFL Twenty One. Jermaine, give the give the people kind of like what everybody. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people know what. Madden NFL 21 is, but what's, you know, like bright memory infinite. What is that? Like a RPG? What is that? Oh, wow. Uh, So I don't know too many details about all these games, but uh, from the gameplay, it looks like a first person shooter. Okay. And uh, it it has a pretty robust game environment, but you're going around and uh, fighting uh, these individuals. And I'm not sure the whole purpose, but dirt five is a racing racing game. game. Uh, Scorn, it was just kind of like a cinematic teaser trailer, but it's this guy who's has this uh, cadaver um, on this stone slab, and he kind of injects some red uh, substance into his mouth, and then his skull kind of explodes. So that just looked trippy. Um, Chorus is about this female protagonist, or she's maybe an antagonist based on the way it sounded, but she kind of interconnects with this uh, foreign species. And then she links to this spaceship and she goes out and then they call her Ascension uh, proof of the forability of um, the human race. And then, but they say that she – so the people that she linked with say that she actually stole from them. And that's where the whole conflict comes in. Um, Madden NFL 21, I mean, everyone understands the concept. They had Patrick Mahomes uh, debut the trailer, so that was pretty cool. And then they had Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines 2, which is a real jarring cinematic trailer they kind of debuted. It's these vampires in these different environments. One's – in his house and one's kind of has these puppets and one is in a club and they're just dancing and the song is super creepy and it starts cutting away to bits and pieces of the game. And it's just them infecting these humans. And, uh, I thought it was a pretty creepy horror film, uh, genre. When is this, when is this set? What time period is it set in? I think it looks current. There was cars. Okay. There was, you know, there was lights, big buildings. So it looked like it's taking place well, now. Quick question. Will vampire uh, lore ever die? No, it's undefeated. It's that, vampires that, that are like the, Nazi. the internet. Yeah. Va- vampires and the Nazis. I don't think they'll ever die in video games. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah, they're they're always getting some sort of new spin and twist. I mean, you even have Sony uh, making Morbius the living vampire movie. That's right. Yeah. Shout out Jared Leto. Yeah. Jared Leto looks like he's going to do a great job in that movie. Yeah. It looks like it's so going to be a good movie. So there's a few more that they announced. Uh, Call of the Sea, which looks kind of like an adventure game where – you go to this island and you try to explore the reason of the death of this person that you loved. Um, the ascent, like like an like an uncharted thing, or or what? Or do you not know? It looks more uncharted. Yeah, it looks like a more platform um, puzzle game from the premise of it. And yeah. the trailer was talking about will we end up being forgotten much like these creatures of the sea? And it, you know, kind of teases a Loch Ness monster type looking uh, creature. Aha. So Scarlet Nexus is this um, animated uh, like manga style video game. So it's kind of like devil may cry in a sense or um like a kingdom hearts fighting system and you're this psychokinetic charged uh, individual who's part of a group that goes out fighting these giant monsters. So that one looks pretty cool, but this is the one that I wanted to spotlight of all the releases is second extinction. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever played a Turok video game, but it's, he's a dinosaur hunter and yeah, yeah, yeah. this uh, second extinction is the second extinction level event that happens on earth. Like the first one wiped out dinosaurs and the second one wiped out man. And you're returning back to earth and now it's populated with all these dinosaurs again. And it's it's called second extinction reclaim earth. And it's kind of got you. So you give play with your friends. So you have like a squad of, it looked like three, it could be more, but it's, so it's kind of like destiny but you're out there fighting against these dinosaurs on a scorched earth. Oh, damn. That's pretty dope. Sort of like a, sort of like a monster hunter destiny esque feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly that kind of twist. And I was just, so that one was the one I got pretty excited for. I just got hooked into the trailer and everything, but Xbox kind of spotlighted this real cool, you know, uh, perk for being an Xbox gamer and they're calling it cross generational smart delivery program. And essentially it is. So whenever you're releasing a new console, you still have people who are using the old console. And so if you buy the game once you have it for all their consoles, so you can play it on PC, Xbox one or series X. Interesting. Yeah. I thought that was pretty great. Cause a lot of us have been in that situation where we're transitioning from PlayStation to PlayStation two and shout out, you know, <laughs> OG kill them days. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to the young kids on the podcast. <laughs> and you know, you, you're they, they don't do the cross uh, play backwards. compatibility, man. Backwards. Yeah. Compatibility. You can't use- That's an annoying thing. Yeah, and it's almost like, why wasn't this in a precedent set from the get-go? Yeah. There's also, so I did you see this week, did you see the 
uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla trailer dropped. Oh man, I haven't been this excited for an Assassin's Creed game since dude. Probably Black Flag. So so let me so let me tell you a little bit about my Assassin's Creed history. I was late to the game with Assassin's Creed. I played uh, Assassin's Creed One. I was put off by I played it like two years late. I was put off by all the just repeat the mission, go kill this guy. Repeat a mission, go kill this guy. And it was kind of just like climb to the top of his building and jump on top of him and then run away. Didn't like that. Then Odyssey got me back in because I love Greek myth, right? That was the last one. I, I, am, I am beyond excited for Valhalla. They're going to mix in. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, this is for... Uh, apparently, this is my word of the week, by the way. So last week, my word of the week was value. And now I'm starting to notice that for those who don't know is going to be my phrase, my phrase of this week. Um, they're going to incorporate uh, incorporate Norse mythology into this game, so it's going to be set in England. Uh, and the big thing with the game is that they're going to do a settlement system, right? So you're going to basically uh, do Viking raids out from your settlement, uh, and then as the game uh, moves along, the game will move basically through your settlement. That'll be a main campaign piece. So as the game moves, your settlement will get more advanced, or your you know it'll be a real time uh, uh, settlement thing. Did you see anything else on it, Jermaine? I did. Yeah, they have a pretty robust system. So they're adding in like games that you can play from from that time with the Vikings, and it's supposed to have the most. Um, variety of enemies they've ever done before and so essentially what's happening is is you have the king uh, at the time of england um declare war against them and so that's where the conflict comes into and then it has england split up into the four um i guess their previous territories that they had and like North Umbrix and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to go into conflict with all those places and, and try to conquer them. So I thought that was pretty awesome. But in the trailer, the best part was the way they pit the gods of both cultures yeah. with such relevance. And I thought it was great when the heroes, uh, I guess, partner – takes takes the fall and then he looks over and Odin is standing by the tree with his ravens yeah and he yells Odin's with us and then this monster huge knight comes out and starts doing battle with him and it looks like he's gonna take the l and you're like whoa what's happening and boom just yeah. like that he takes that guy and Blade. Uh, and turns the tide of that battle I was Blown away. I thought they did a great job. The hype is all over the internet right now. Everyone's super excited for this game. I think that they did a real good job setting this up. Unreal. There's one more Xbox game I want to highlight, Jermaine. I think it might might be uh, all platforms, and then I'll go to a, a PlayStation exclusive. We are finally, after 12 years or something like that, getting a PGA golf game back and Jermaine the studio that's bringing it to us is 2K Studios I am beyond excited for this game one of my favorite games growing up was the Tiger Woods EA Sports games I think 2K brings a budget 
and a brand to this to this uh, thing that's that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be pretty awesome. It's it's gonna be something that that is gonna give a, is gonna kind of breathe new air into it into an old franchise that I used to love. Yeah, I think it's uh, great for all parties involved. Two K was getting a little stagnant with their titles, which is pretty easy to do since it's just simulated sports and there's only so much you can do with it. So they were kind of getting bogged down with uh, NBA 2K. And so it's good to see them get something fresh that they could sink their teeth into. And this is probably one of the more important decisions that the PGA tour has made in quite some time because they're losing fans or not making new fans and one thing that video games does is it, it wait, lets you wait you're telling me rich avenue. you're telling me rich old white men aren't connecting with this generation <laughs> that's shocking i think that's exactly what i'm telling you that's shocking yeah, so that was one thing that I looked at. I thought it was going to be great because it brings more eyeballs to them. It brings this new product that they can market themselves with. And it should it should ideally deliver them a big, big boon in their performance sector as a business. And it's something you're going to need right now with all the losses that everyone's taking as a whole. And then you also got guys like us that grew up playing these golf games and and they're going to get a big boost and and they're going to get a big boost from that kind of nostalgia too. So I mentioned that and now a, a PlayStation exclusive that I've been excited for a long time because I think the first one is one of the best video games of all time. And that's last of us two, right? So for those of you that haven't played last of us and have a PS4, what are you doing with your life? Like it's quarantine, quit playing this call of duty war zone, go back and play a quality game. Last of Us 2, the second trailer dropped uh, a couple of days ago, I believe, right? Second trailer? It did. They released uh, their final, uh, cinematic final. trailer yeah. for it because they had to push the release date back. And so they pushed it to June 19, 2020. They finished tweaking everything that they wanted to story-wise, finishing their graphics, setting everything in stone. And now they released this trailer and the teases are a plenty. I think that they're foreshadowing a, you know, heel turn for Ellie. Uh, for Ellie. And I was blown away because, you know, everyone loves her. It just, yeah. it, it looks so dark and it's exactly how you would expect people to respond in situations awesome. like that. Yeah, so awesome. I'm, I'm, beyond ecstatic i can't wait i was bummed when they delayed it the first time and it's finally here and uh yeah so i'm gonna have to beat final fantasy 7 remake before that comes out there you go we talked about we i mean that's that's something that we're you know that we probably don't talk about a lot uh is how truly passionate we are uh about video games because you know it's kind of still you know nerdiness is a little cool but I mean, it takes up so much of my time, at least, video games, you know, probably, you know, an, an hour, you know, uh, 30 minutes to an hour every day, probably when you when you break it down and, and more on weekends. But, you know, it's it's kind of good to I, you haven't really had it seems like a lot of good games are coming out. and We haven't really had a lot of a lot of good games uh, in 
in a while. But also, that's we talked about this earlier, being excited about something, not only video games, but TV. ESPN, because they've seen the, the, the success of The Last Dance, is releasing two new docs. Did you hear this, Jermaine? I did, yeah. I'm pretty excited for both of these. I'll go ahead and let you introduce the so the so they're one. so yeah so they're dropping two baseball themed docs because of the success with the the last dance right the one is going to be a Roy Holiday documentary that drops May 29th I I mean beyond beyond excitement for this right Roy Holiday is kind of you know I, for me being the huge baseball fan that I was I didn't get to grow up watching Greg Maddox right I didn't grow I didn't watch Greg Maddox growing up. Roy Holiday was kind of our Greg Maddox, right? He was always Mr. Consistent. He was a dude that, you know, I, I didn't, I just knew him as like the awesome all-star pitcher that he was and, and Hall of Fame pitcher that he was. And, and gone, again, another athlete that was gone uh, too soon in, an, in a, you know, a flight crash. But this is going to go back and it's going to go his whole life. So detail his struggle with drugs, detail... Uh, his, you know, the, the things that he has associated with that. And he was such a, you know, it's going to, it's, then it's going to lead into how he was such a, he had such a committed uh, regimen on the field and how that really changed his life and made him into this, this great athlete, great man and, and great baseball player that he was. Yeah. I, I, for one got literal chills watching the, trailer for that documentary i'm so excited he was an absolute stud no one wanted to face him on the mound the dude was a tactician completely controlled the strike zone and just made pitchers look silly so i for one am going to be tuned in at the minute it goes live i'll be sitting there with whatever popcorn most likely beer let's be honest (laughs) popcorn and beer I, so the, and and then the other one the other one that we talked about we we mentioned it kind of earlier it's going to be I, I want them so it's going to be a Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa 1998 home run chase uh, documentary uh, I'm going to use my catchphrase for the day for those of you who aren't aware or familiar with it in 1998 there was a uh, a race to break Roger Maris's uh, single season home run record. Uh, which it was 56. It was a race to beat 56. And well into the season, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa uh, broke that and then were having basically a slug off to decide who would be the uh, the eventual single season home run champion. And, and Mark McGuire ended up winning with 65, I believe. Maybe 62. Uh- I'm not sure if it was 65. But, Let me get that number for but, you. But but anyway, there's there's this yeah. So while you look that up, there's this great moment of, and of course, baseball leads us to these great moments of of Mark McGuire playing in Wrigley Field uh, when he has to break the single season record and and anyway and and, and or and, and hit his 57th home run, and he does it with Sammy Sosa playing right field. And he hits this home run, and it's just, it's so great to see. It's just a great moment in baseball history, a great video clip where he slugs that 57th home run, and Sammy Sosa throws his glove off and throws his hat and runs uh, towards the infield. And they, you know, and, and, you know, everybody is, everybody in the stadium is so happy, even though he's a, you know, Jermaine being a Cubs fan. This is a Cardinal who just hit a home run in Wrigley, and everybody goes ballistic. 
Yeah, I was, I was, I for one uh, was not super thrilled. <laughs> As a Colorado Rockies fan, I just love to see it. I just love to see the. It was just, it was, it was everything. But oh, I, what I really want them to do is, I really want them to do a, uh, maybe not, um, uh, what you call it, not a, um, a uh, nineteen ninety eight season, or a, not, not, not just a, a home run chase one, but do a whole. 1998 season because that like you said that was one of the greatest seasons in baseball history and i and i i kind of want them to do them like the last dance where they kind of well they'll go back to the 94 season and kind of go back to mcguire's time with the a's and how sosa started with the crosstown white Sox. i want to see it all and, and i i really hope that they that they figure out a figure out a way to do it did you did you yeah, find be, out how many, how many home runs he hit yeah he might have hit 62 he hit 62 no I told you he hit seventy. Oh, he hit and, seventy, and, and uh, Sammy Sosa hit sixty-six. Sixty-six. That's right. All right. Well, I was I was averaging, I guess. <laughs> but sure, we'll go ahead and say that. Yeah, I was I was average. I was averaging and rounding down. Yeah, definitely. All right, so this this next part of the podcast we're pretty excited to bring to you. So f- since uh, the inception of our friendship, we've been saying a specific phrase. Go ahead and let them know what that phrase is, Nick. So when someone so it's it's when someone does something, you know, I, I feel like every friend group, every every friendship that that goes, you know, just past casual acquaintances, and, and you spend a lot of time together, you start talking like each other, right? And um, one of the phrases that we said, whenever somebody does something stupid, well, it's a common known thing in sports. When you do something stupid, you fine them, right? But what Jermaine and I have been saying is fine them and cut them in that order, right? Which seems to, which makes no sense if you think about it because he's off your team. So why would you fine him? But we have three, each week we're going to try to bring you kind of like a, uh, a news story or some little snippet of a player that you decide and you tell us whether we need to fine him or fine him or cut him or fine him and cut him in both. It's, we'll, we'll, we'll determine how dumb – we'll let you guys determine how dumb uh, each of these things is. Jermaine, we have three of them this week. Would you like – It was a hot week. week. It, was a heart, it was a hot week for fine him and cut him. I know some it people was. out there who are who are thinking about episodes this week are shaking your head right now. But Jermaine, we'll st- we'll start with kind of the 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 two lesser known ones. But but tell the people about find him and cut him stories. Oh man, so find him and cut him is he? It was so egregious that you want to take their money and then you don't want to pay them anymore. And you don't that want to the plan. Yeah, you want to take their money and then they're not playing on your team anymore. That's how ridiculous their actions were. So we're going to go ahead and start with the Liga One masturbator. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard that correctly. I said masturbator. So, (laughs) oh man, Fareed El Melali has apologized this week after he was arrested earlier for public masturbation. Hell yeah, the only kind of masturbation. Here's the issue, though. This isn't his first offense. 
This is the second time he was arrested on the same such issue. Those darn French police just can't get it right. So he was sitting in a public courtyard where he lives, staring into this girl's window and just beaten off. I I couldn't believe it. Professional athletes are people too. Professional athletes are people too, and some people are creeps. And I was blown away. I didn't. I actually didn't believe it to the point where I sent it to you, and I was like, "Yo, did you see this?" And and I confirmed it. So yeah, it's it's, and it was on ESPN. So it's not like it was on uh, TMZ.com. And yeah, he's he's appearing in court this summer, and he's facing up to a year in prison and a fifteen thousand euro fine. And he's going to be cut from whatever legal one squad he's in. <laughs> so there you go. That might actually be a fine him and cut him in that order in real life. In real life. Like in an actual case of in, it. In an actual place of it. Now, this was not the only international soccer incident that we've had, correct? We'll, we'll turn we'll, – we'll, we'll switch from France and we'll, we'll swing to the, the country that it touches. And we'll swing to Germany, Jermaine. So yeah. you, so you're the one that sent me this, uh, Hyannick Kimba or Kamba, Hyannick Kamba, right? What team does he play for in the Bundesliga? Oh, he played for Schalke, but he played uh, back in the day. I think it was okay. early, early to late two thousands that okay. he actually so, played for that. So, so uh, apologize for our lack of knowledge, but he played for Schalke, right? He was presumed dead. In a night in a, in a 2016 car crash, Jermaine. 2016. It is currently 2020. <laughs> so his wife, being the good wife that she is, pre- presumed him dead, and then uh, there she she found him. Right, Jermaine. She found out that he was alive four years later and did not die in the car crash. So actually, I was looking into it a, a, a lot further and. You know, the, the wife is saying that she had no clue. But so he, the car crash occurred in the Republic of Congo. And so it's oh. pretty easy to, to get away with something like that because they don't have such a formal record uh-huh. system. And so that's how he got away, got away with it. And the wife went through the process where she like filled paperwork, created the death certificate, et cetera, et cetera, collected the life insurance policy. And so this started turning up because I believe the attorney general in Germany was trying – it was looking into this because he was spotted working his old job as a chemical technician in the city that, city and facility he had previously worked at. <laughs> and the city is uh, called Gelsenkirchen, Germany, and I mo- most likely said that wrong. But they spotted it. I believe they spotted him in. Uh, <laughs> man, I think they said All it was right. 2018. All right, so let me get this right. All right, so this dude from the Republic of Congo, right? Correct. Plays in uh, Gelsenkirchen. I think that's how you say it. I'm probably wrong. Um, plays for FC Schalke. Gets in a car crash in the. Uh, uh, the Republic of Congo in 2016 and then thinks, hey, I've really pulled this stunt off. I'll just go back and work in my old job in my old town where my wife is at. 
yeah, that's that's a, that's definitely a, a, a fine him and cut him offense. That's he's like Schalke. Schalke needs to re-sign him just to find him and cut him. It's unbelievable that the gall on this dude. So they they collect the seven figure life insurance policy. Oh right? Jesus, seven figure euros. And so does so, so does his wife have anything in it? Did did you did you see anything? Does his wife have anything to do with that? Probably, she says, right? She, she says she Probably. doesn't. She has to, man. She has yeah, to. I mean, yeah, she she denies the charges, of course. Oh, I'm sure. But the, the the German prosecutor, whose name is Annette Milk, what a great name. She said the death was staged. They they found him, and now it's going to be a much larger issue to where even oh, the wife yeah. is going to be dragged into it. Yeah, you in trouble, bud. And then, yeah. So, speaking of wives. Oh, speaking and, of wives and, and professional athletes, there was the 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 mother of them all incident. So, Earl Thomas, Jermaine, very good safety, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, now of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, uh, would you say a fairly good football player? He's known to toss a pigskin or two. Yeah, he's 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 a fairly good football player. Um, he was found in a bit of a precarious situation this week, Jermaine. I'll say. Yeah. So apparently, uh, news came out that um, at the beginning, I, I think it came out on, on Wednesday, is when I, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, that Earl Thomas had been robbed at gunpoint. Right? That's, that's the first news that I heard. Right? Was that the first news you heard? You heard? No, it was not. But I, oh, I, not. I like the way this is developing. So, so I the way I heard it in just a little like notification is that Earl Thomas is was held at gunpoint uh, at his house, right? And they said suspected robbery. Uh, and I think oh. it's from Bleacher Report, but I, 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 I could I could be sure. Then the next thing that came out is Earl Thomas's wife held him at gunpoint in his house. And then, Jermaine, we come to the main story, which is mm. Earl Thomas, supposedly, I'm going to say supposedly because it's, it's innocent until proven guilty in this nation. Earl Thomas was caught by his wife having extramarital affairs with a young woman. Um, but that's not all, Jermaine. Would let let the people let, let the people know why this goes beyond just a a nice cheating uh, story to to something new. So to set the stage, uh, the wife rolls up to an Airbnb that she tracked her oh, husband. That's right, that's right. It's not even in their with, house. That's right. With her two friends. So earlier that day, they got into an altercation. The two of them. About his drinking. So he left, called his brother to pick him up. His brother took him downtown and they got a Airbnb. And they were spending time with two girls, right? Mm -hmm. So each one of them was seeing one of these girls. And Earl Thomas was openly seeing this girl for four months while he tries to work on it with his wife. Mm -hmm. And Earl Thomas is awakened at 1 a.m. probably. Mm-hmm. sleeping next to said girl by his wife holding a gun to his head. So his oh, wife yeah. ejected the magazine. She ejected the magazine so that way it, she would just scare him. Mm-hmm. But she had her finger That's on the smart. trigger. 
That's good gun control. I like that. That's 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 right. Smart. But, she, but she didn't clear the chamber. Oh, okay. Now nah, I take it back. She didn't clear the chamber, and she took the safety off, and she had her finger on the trigger. The two girls that she showed up with, one was her sister, and one was her uh, friend, who is the ex of Seth Thomas, Earl Thomas's brother. Okay. So the two girls that show up with her show up holding knives. Uh-huh. So it gets even more interesting. Okay. So they're both they're both there at this house, and the girl uh, who's the ex of Seth Thomas uh, is filming it. And there's a video of Earl Thomas standing at the top of the stairs with the wife holding the gun to his head, maybe an inch of space. Yeah. Okay. So then the cops respond, and they said when they responded and they finally showed up, that Earl Thomas was running around outside being chased by his wife who had a knife and Earl Thomas had the gun. (laughs) And he was running away. Yeah. He's not trying to shoot her. He's trying to get away from the person with the knife. (laughs) So the cops get to to the scene of the crime. They shout to him, Hey, get down. Both individuals comply. They get down, right? The cops, do their, their whole thing. They cuff him. They ask him what the hell's going on here. They explain it. They they explain all of those details to even his wife says that's exactly how it happened. Like she did, she didn't intend, you know, for, she just wanted to scare us. But apparently the reason why the robbery thing came out is, and that's why how the police booked it is they, they, apparently we're robbing the Airbnb on top of it, like, or they tried taking something from the Airbnb. But anyways, it also at the same time, Earl Thomas is outside inside. Seth Thomas is in an altercation with his ex-wife. Uh-huh. I'm just, it's unbelievable. The amount of, the amount of moving pieces in this, this whole thing. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. In that. Oh yeah. Just, just, just watch what was, just watch what was going on. That's, yeah. that's that's the first that's that's the juiciest bit of of NFL news that's that's happened <laughs> it's, it, it's been a while it's unbelievable and so the famous Henry uh, Derek Henry stiff arm from the playoffs where he completely I, spins Earl Thomas around <laughs> and uses him as his own blocker against the Ravens yeah was photoshopped to have a gun in his stiff arm arm and, and Derrick Henry's head was his wife. Oh, oh classic internet. Undefeated. Yeah, undefeated internet. And then Mark Ingram's tweet. Did you did you see Mark Ingram's yes. tweet? Yeah. No, bro, you got a lot of questions to answer for. Yeah. So Earl Thomas tells everyone, please no questions about the incident with my wife and brother. Respect our privacy. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Simple enough request. His teammate but now big, Mark Ingram the second big, big trust who that nation running back. Uh, he's like, bro, no questions about your wife catching you and your brother banging the same chick. Then a gun gets involved. Nah, motherfucker. We got questions. That's right. Yeah. We got questions. That is the most he Mark Ingram hit everything. On like hammer and nail, like that's oh, how yeah. everyone felt. Like we, what do you mean, no questions? Yeah, no, we got a <laughs> bunch of questions. Oh man! So that's the fight him and cut him segment. 
uh, feel free to reach out to us on our social media accounts at podcast room 303 for Instagram and Twitter to let us know what you think on these incidents and, or, uh, or, or in, in weeks, in weeks following drop us, uh, articles or, or, you know, I heard this or that and see if you could get on and you can get, uh, involved. Send us some stuff if you think it should be in 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 find them and cut them, and we'll gladly if it if it rates as something as insanely bonkers as this stuff, we'll put it in here. Oh man, yeah. If it if it meets the limited criteria of find them and cut them, it'll make the sense. That's right. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's right. I just uh, I couldn't believe that these stories all broke this week. I was just like, is is there just something? Twenty twenty has been truly unbelievable with what's going on. Yeah, I don't want to. I just let's, let's just stop it here. Let's just we're not we don't need anything else to happen. Twenty twenty stops now. Let's just go to twenty twenty one. Early early release twenty twenty one. So, uh, in lighter note, uh, the NFL released its schedule this year to uh, much fanfare and excitement mm-hmm. because there was some marquee matchups, some real key dates, big time, big time uh, setups for some big time matchups. Uh, so Nick and I picked our top five. And so we'll start from five, go to one. He'll say his five, I'll say my five, and we'll just say what our thought process is so as to why we're excited for him. So I'll, I'll talk about something first. I'll talk about strength and strength of schedule in terms of, of last year's opponent's record, Jermaine. And then you can say your five, and then I'll say if I agree – and then say my five, right? So the hardest okay. strength of schedule based on last year's record, uh, starting from tied for fifth hardest, right? The Bills, the Falcons, and the Lions are all tied for fifth hardest. Then you have the San Francisco 49ers at four, the Miami Dolphins at three, can't get no uh, help. Another team that can't get any help, the Jets at two, and then the New England Patriots at one because the NFL schedule, schedule makers – have a sense of humor. The uh, <laughs> New England Patriots opponents last year won 53.7% of their games. We'll move to the easiest. So the 28th easiest schedule is the Washington Redskins. So Jermaine, that bet, that Washington Redskins over bet is looking pretty good. Number 29 is the okay. Cleveland Browns, another team that you love, Jermaine. Number 30 is the Dallas Cowboys, another team that we both love. 31 is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And number 32 Guys, it's the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens play opponents that last year won 43.8% of their games. Really? NFL schedule makers? Really? So like, I'll, I'll give the, a little spiel on strength of schedule based on yeah. the previous season. I think it's a load of crock. Throw it out the window. It doesn't matter. Off-season personnel changes, coaching changes, draft uh, free agent signings drastically changes all of those teams. They're no longer the same. The Chargers don't have Phillip Rivers anymore. Don't have Melvin Gordon anymore. They've got a rookie quarterback. So it doesn't matter what their strength schedule was the year before. It's a completely different team. The Dolphins are a completely different team. Then you have some of these other teams who just got stronger. You have some teams who presented more question marks this, that, and the other, so it doesn't really matter. The Cowboys' strength of schedule last year, it, not their strength of schedule, they were 8-8 eight and eight last year or 9-7. and seven. So that means they were barely a 500 football team. Based on what they've done this offseason, adding Mike McCarthy, re-signing Amari Cooper, letting Byron Jones go, getting 
uh, Trayvon Diggs from Alabama drafting C.D. Lamb, that's a drastically different football team. So if you expect him to perform on that strength schedule, then you're naive and we'll start fading you because you're probably going to pick some bad bets if you're using that strength schedule. No, you should just fade me to begin with. So I was talking about the individuals. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, so with that, okay. So number five. Okay, so my so my five, right? So I at 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 four and five, I I kind of have some I I have some uh, games in here that can can kind of be be grouped together. So my my top five game right is going to be. Uh, two playoff matchups, but not in prime time, right? So the the Titans and the oh God, the Titans and the uh, Ravens week eleven is one game I like. Another playoff matchup, and then the Packers at the 49ers week five. That's week nine. That's uh, Thursday night football. Um, Ooh, Thursday, huh? Yeah. Okay, I like those. Hey, give give uh, give your uh, give your five top games, and I'll listen. Okay, so I'll, I'll start from five. So I have Week One: Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints. I mean, we're opening the season with a legacy battle. Daddy likes. We got Brady versus Breeze, Arians versus Peyton, Evans and Thomas, and his first game for Tom Brady, not as a Patriot. Check, 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 check. Take all my money. I'll be tuned in. Then, coming in at number four, I have week two, New Orleans Saints at Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, I know I'm biased. I'm a Saints fan, but this is this is a special game. It is Monday night football in a brand-new stadium, first game in Vegas. We got Breeze, Gruden, Peyton, Carr. I mean, Josh Jacobs, the return of Abrams, Monday Night Football, that stadium is going to be outstanding to look at. It's going to be the first time there, and the Saints are going to walk out with the first W in that stadium. They can never take that away. Then we got week three coming in. We got number three coming in, week 12. Kansas City Chiefs at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What's up? I said I'm back. This was this was the the first time in the podcast, a second episode that we get interrupted by my young daughter. So if you if you guys <laughs> if you guys heard her crying in the back, I had to stop and 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 not be a deadbeat dad. So oh, keep no. going. Lily's crying. No, she. I, we, we. I just. Okay. I, I put her back down. So we're good. All right. Sounds good. So uh, I was at number three. So week 12, Kansas City Chiefs at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last time we saw Mahomes versus Brady, and offsides kept Mahomes from touching the ball again. Allowed Brady to snag a touchdown instead of the interception he threw. Sealed his sixth championship win mm. and prevented the changing of the guard for another year. Mm-hmm. Now – in the in the last segment of the season, we've got the last two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks facing off for essentially who's going to be the face of the league this year. I can't write a story better than that. <laughs> Bravo NFL. So then number two, the, the schedule I, writers know what they're doing. <laughs> number two, I have a, a game you previously mentioned because. 
we love revenge games on this podcast. Oh, love them. So we got Tennessee Titans at Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the number one seed in the AFC playoffs last year, got punked at home. I mean, you just heard us talk about the meme. They are chomping at the bit for redemption, and they don't have to wait too long. Their entire offseason was geared to fixing that front seven and stopping the run. Tennessee chose to run it back. Tannehill, Henry, and playoff implications are going to loom large in week 11 with this matchup. I cannot wait. Mm -hmm. And finally, at number one, we've got week 16, Minnesota Vikings at New Orleans Saints. I mean, it's been well documented, the relationship the Saints and Vikings have had the last few years. Then you add Christmas Day, Friday football, and on top of that, the last time a game was played on Friday was the 2009 season. The Chargers played at the Titans and won 42-17, to but that's also the year the Saints won the Super Bowl. That's good, man. That's 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 great. So run, run me through run me through your five again. So the five again. It's week one, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Four, week mm-hmm. two, New Orleans at Las Vegas. Three, week twelve, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Two, week eleven, Tennessee at Baltimore. One, week sixteen, Minnesota at New Orleans. Mm. Okay. I like so I, I like a lot of those, right? So I, I, I kind of started talking right until until shout out Lily uh, interrupted. Um, my so I, I'm gonna change it up a little bit. Look at looking at my sheet in front of me, right? So my number five game is gonna be Panthers at Saints week seven, right? So I wanna see how Teddy Bridgewater fares against his old team. Typically, when Carolina Panthers players face their old team, they don't do that well, but I really hope that that Teddy puts it on. My number four game is is going to be two games that I'm that I'm combining in here. Um, it's going to be two games that I want to see Joe Burrow in against people that were drafted after him, specifically the number two and the number three draft picks. So week eleven, the Bengals are at the Redskins, right? Chase Young, that's a matchup I'm looking for. And week thirteen, two weeks later, they're at the Dolphins, right? Him and Tua in the showdown. Now for both the, for all three of those teams, both those weeks might be meaningless at week 11 and week 13, but we'll just have to see how Joe Burrow performs. Hopefully we get to see how he performs against members of his former draft class. Number three, you have Cincinnati versus Miami, Cincinnati and Miami week 13. Yeah. So you think Tua is going to be playing then? I think Tua is going to be playing then. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Right. Move on. Yeah. So number three, I just love. I just love this. This. Or I, here, I'll, I'll do number three. This two prime time uh, playoff matchups or, or playoff revenge games. Week nine, the Packers and the 49ers on Thursday night football, and week twelve, the Seahawks and the Eagles on the Seahawks at the Eagles on Monday night football. Now both those Ooh. games, the Seahawks and the Eagles, was kind of that terrible defense laid none of the offense could get going i think both teams want to prove maybe maybe they will have proved at that point that they're better than what their you know resume showed in the playoffs last year and i think the packers are out for revenge against the niners in week nine 
moving towards number two and Jermaine, you kind of, you, you, you stole a lot of my thunder here, but uh, with your pick. So I'll talk about that in a second. Number two, what I'm looking for, I'm on number two, right? I can't even remember. You are on number two, correct. So my number two game, Ravens at Steelers week 12. If that doesn't ring a bell to everyone, they're going to be playing early in week 12 on the Thanksgiving game. I just, I love a nice AFC North game that I get to watch after I'm full of turkey. The hate is there. It's Ravens Steelers. They both should be good. Week 12 playoff implications on the line week 12. I mean, I, I love this. I love this game. And then my number one game, I didn't think that you were going to pick both of these. So I was going to choose what you didn't pick between the Vikings at Saints Christmas Day and the Bucks at the Saints week one. But since you've already picked both of those, that's my, yeah, that's, I don't really have any other games I'm looking forward to. I already talked about Titans Ravens. So yeah, I think, I, I think the, I think the, the week one Bucks at Saints is going to, determine how the week nine saints at bucks matchup goes and I'm, I'm super excited for for both of them let me just let me just tell you something here though jermaine we like to talk about the schedule makers the schedule makers fucked the bills let me break this down for you, right? <laughs> all right so the bills week four through week 10 and they have a bye week 11 and then week 12 through week 16. I'm going to read off from week 4 to week 16 their opponents to show you how the schedule makers have no love for the Buffalo Bills playoff team last year. And came a Josh Allen, uh, 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 what would you call it? Uh, Josh Allen uh, mental lapse. Coming out part? Oh, well, they, did they, uh, Josh Allen fourth quarter away from greatness. Oh, yeah, against the Houston Texans in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, he collapsed in the second half. So I'm going to read you. Starting with week four at Las Vegas, at Tennessee, versus KC, at the Jets, versus New England, versus Seattle, at Arizona. Then a bye week 11, then week 12, versus the Chargers, at San Francisco, versus Pittsburgh, at Denver, at New England. Man, <laughs> all the all those teams are so much better you than can, they, they were last you, year. You you can argue to me. You can argue to me that maybe oh I, you probably argue every game to me and I'll believe you. But there are there's a couple of stash teams in there. Vegas got better. The Jets got better. You mentioned that last week. Seattle is still Seattle. The Cardinals got better. The Chargers maybe is that team that didn't get better, but Denver. High explosive offense. You we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll really just have to see. Yeah. Um, what was? Do you recall off the top of your head what Buffalo's win total was last year? I mean, not what their win total, what their over under is for this year. Uh, Dude, I, it's Buffalo. I it's Buffalo over I got nine. It. Do I have it right here? Oh, I do it's have Buffalo it right over here. nine. Uh yeah it yeah it's Buffalo over nine yeah and the over was I think I took the over didn't I no Jesus you took them to win the East so here's what I think if since I'm gonna pairing that with a win the East bet I might pair that like with a win the Super Bowl bet because if they come through weeks four through sixteen and make and win the East with this schedule I, I they gotta be I mean they're hot 
they're they're hot and they're yes. well conditioned. Super Bowl Bills, huh? Super Bowl Bills, yeah. The Bills actually, the Bills Super Bowl odds just came out. I don't know what uh, what it is right now. Twenty twenty. Oh, that can't be right. What are their odds? They have them here as plus thirty five hundred. Yeah, that sounds about right. Jeez. Yeah, I might throw a little bit of pizza money on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I just want to touch base real quick on the Monday night football crew change. Yeah. Thank God. You hear about this? Thank God. Yeah, you they, you, they uh, Booger's they gone. Tessator and Booger, man. Both. Booger and his sideline chair are gone. Tessator is gone. It's going to be a whole new crew. And honestly, thank God they were because the crew was not good. No, was not good. But <laughs> you want that, you want to talk about your little uh, Saints Carolina draft story? Nah, I don't really care. But well, oh, I thought you were going to say about the about the the quarterback rant I was going to have that I'm not going to have anymore. Uh, yeah. So, well, so apparently this is, this, this just came out as like a fun little draft story. So Tommy Stevens is a quarterback from Utah, maybe where's state Mississippi state. Thank you. Um, so it came out that, that in the draft he was, uh, he, it was the sixth round, correct? He was taken in the seventh. Seventh, so it was the seventh round, and, and near the end of the seventh round, it's kind of an unspoken thing in the NFL that they that they start to negotiate with draft prospects, right? Um, so apparently, the Carolina Panthers were negotiating with him because Joe Brady loves him, and he's a guy kind of sort of uh, uh, kind of a, a Taysom Hill type guy, a, a five tool player, if you will, who's not just a quarterback. And the Panthers are trying to get him as an undrafted free agent. Well, Sean Payton found out about this, Jermaine, and traded up, (laughs) traded into the seventh round just so he could pick Tommy Stevens, Mississippi State quarterback, so the Carolina Panthers don't get him, which is another reason that the Panthers at Saints Week 7 is one of my top five games for this year because there's a lot of bad blood there. Yeah, Joe Brady was an ex-Saints uh, coach, yep. and yep. so he was trying trying to take the Taysom package to Carolina using Sean Payton's guy, and Sean Payton was not about to have that. And the Na- the Saints are notorious for drafting, uh, trading in or dr- trading up in drafts to take players. So Sean Payton does that, and. Bef- as he's doing it, text Joe Brady, not so fast. Then he texts Tommy Stevens, I'm tired of asking nicely. I'm oh. taking now. And then selects him in the seventh round. That's, that's Payton, I love that. I, and I love it. May not even make the roster, but. Well, that'll that'll about do it for us this week, Jermaine. I, I we have a couple of I so talk talk again about this this hundred mile challenge that we're doing. Yeah, so the hundred mile challenge is going pretty good. Uh, I actually looked at the total miles run as a group so far, and it was twelve twelve on Thursday. Oh, damn! So one thousand two hundred and twelve miles have been logged as a group 
How many people? Uh, so we'll just update. It's a it's about fifty, so forty eight, forty nine, or what, or fifty. And what is what is what is this what is this challenge? It's it's hashtag Run for It EP. But can you explain a little bit about what Run for It is? Yeah, so Run for It is a nonprofit organization from my hometown in El Paso that was started from two real good friends of mine. And pretty much what they do is they get together as a group and they'll meet at a bar or some something like that, maybe a park, maybe uh, at a school, and then they'll map out a run for two and back. And then afterwards, they'll have like social events where you can get together and have a beer or get some food and stuff like that. And due to the whole coronavirus thing, they weren't able to, they're not able to get everyone together for obvious reasons. So they just, they orchestrated this hundred mile challenge in May, um, starting April 29th to May 31st. And it's 3.3 miles a day and to get to a hundred. So right now, I've got 40.9 miles logged. Crush so it. I'm just, I'm just a little bit past the third, the third, uh, 33% of it, uh, based on dates and stuff like that. And Nick has 12. Yeah, baby. Listen, dude, plug it away. It's listen, I'm going to do it in large chunks because I'm a notorious procrastinator and I'm going to have to do like 10 mile runs in the last week of May and it's going to, it's going to kick my butt. It's going to be eight, 10 mile runs, all <laughs> tears. That's what it's going to be. So guys, we, we say this, uh, but we really can't mean it enough. We really appreciate you uh, devoting your time to, to listen to us. And uh, as always, let us know, Jermaine put out, uh, Jermaine put out the, the Instagram and the, and the Twitter handles again. Yeah, so it's at Podcast Room 303 on both uh, social media platforms. So that's, yeah, that's that's Instagram and Twitter. So please follow us, send us a, send us a message, let us know what you like, let us know what you don't like. We appreciate uh, the feedback that you have that, that everyone has given us so far. Uh, just let us know. And, and, and thanks for supporting, Jermaine. What do you got to say to the people? A uh, big, wholesome, hearty thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in, listening, subscribing, downloading, everything you do, engaging on social media platforms. I just want you all to be safe. Have a good month of May and a good rest of the year, and we'll see you guys next week. All right, everybody. See you next week.